Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. So what I want to talk to you about this morning, what I felt the Lord laid on my heart for you, is I want to talk a bit about leadership. Uh, and I think leadership is very important. John Maxwell, who is one of the, the most well-known sort of leadership gurus in the world. Some of you might know John Maxwell. He says everything rises and falls on leadership. Recently, I, I spoke to, you know, to an organization called One Hope who work all across um, the world, and specifically um, this group was from South Africa, uh, and, and they worked a lot in, 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 the, in the whole of Africa, sub-Saharan Africa especially. And, and they said they did research on leadership, and they found that a big proportion of youth in Africa, especially sub-Saharan Africa where they did the research, most of the research, don't actually want to be leaders. I was like, what? Seriously? And I said, the reason for that is because so many of them, of these youth, these young um, African men and women growing up uh, in Africa, associate leadership with the abuse of power and with corruption. And, and that's what they see. So when they think of leadership, that's what they think of. And, and they actually don't want to be leaders. They, they're actually sort of averse to leadership and to position because of that. And I thought it's so sad. And, and the reality is, I think John Maxwell is right, everything rises and falls with leadership. Good leadership causes a group or a, a country to rise. Bad leadership causes it to fall. If you think about all the biggest problems in the world today, you can trace most of them back to bad leadership. If you think about the most inspiring events and the greatest victories in the world today, you can trace them back to good leadership. So everything rises and falls according to leadership. So what I want us to, to, to do just for, for two minutes or so is just turn to each other in groups of two or three, and I want you to mention... Um, one good leader and one bad leader, and what do you think a difference was between them? Okay, just, just for two minutes quickly, just turn to each other. I remember doing this exercise in a smaller group with a, in a, with a corporate group where, where I was coaching them in leadership, and we were sort of writing down a few things, and, and the two leaders they chose in that group, it was very interesting, they chose... President Nelson Mandela and, and President Jacob Zuma, <laughs> you know, and uh, one of the things that came out most strongly uh, in, in, in that discussion of what was the difference between them, um, between those two leaders, because uh, Madiba came um, onto the scene in South Africa when South Africa was in amazing turmoil, um, coming out of you know, a very dark legacy of apartheid, a, a lot of division, a lot of uncertainty, uh, and so on. And he, and he led, successfully led South Africa into uh, a new era of democracy, the Rainbow Nation. Um, and there was so much optimism and, and, and so much positivity at that time. Um, and um, the guys said to them two things, you know, when, when we asked the group came out, um, trust and respect. They said... Madiba, you could trust him and you could respect him. Whereas with <laughs> ex-president Zuma, it doesn't feel like we can really do that so much. Uh, and the reality is you can only follow someone as far as you can trust them. 
Think about that for a moment. You can literally only follow someone as far as you can trust them, which also means that, that people can only follow you as far as they can trust you. So the question is, what leads to trust and to respect in leadership? How do we become leaders that people can trust uh, and respect? And I'm, I'm, I want you to turn with me um, to, to Psalm 78, if you have your Bibles. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have it up on the screen as well. So um, if you want to you know, read the verses around it, you're welcome to open up your Bible. But I'm just going to read one verse for you in, in Psalm 78, verse 72, which is one of the most powerful verses on leadership, in my opinion, in the Bible. I just want you to think about what is good leadership. You know, when I ask people this, you know, they, they often give lots of different answers. Uh, and then, you know, they'll say good leadership is this, good, good leadership is that. Who is a good leader, you know? So I'll ask them, you know, was, for instance, Hitler, was he a good leader? And they'll go, no, 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 no. Then I'll say, but, I mean, he mobilized the whole German nation and they almost conquered the world. I mean, it was this close. The thing that actually beat them was the, the Russian um, winter. <laughs> you know, uh, if it wasn't for the Russian winter, uh, when they tried to conquer Russia in, in the winter, um, most of the world might have been speaking German. Um, so, so, you know, in that sense, he was a very effective leader, seemingly. But was he a good leader? And, and what I want to submit to you is that Leadership is not just being good at what you do, but making sure that what you do is good. Okay? And, and I think that's what this verse tells us as well. Um, let me put it this way. Someone can be a good assassin in the sense that they're good at what they do, but what they do is not good. And it's the same with leadership. You know? And the problem is that we have so many leaders who are actually good at what they do, good at mobilizing people, inspiring people, uh, getting people to follow them, but what they do is not good. In other words, we have too many leaders like Hitler. Um, and this verse tells us um, how to get away from that. So Psalm 78 verse 72, I think this is most, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible on leadership. And, and, and it says, and David shepherded them. It's talking about Israel. David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. And, and two things I want you to see there. Firstly is that one of the most prominent models for leadership in the Bible is shepherding. Whether you're talking about Jacob, you know, in, in the book of Genesis, David, who was a shepherd boy and then became king and shepherded Israel as a nation. Whether you're talking about Jesus, who's referred to as the, the good shepherd. Or whether you're talking about pastors, and the word pastor in the, in the Greek literally means shepherd. It, one of the most common, the, the most prominent models of leadership in the Bible is shepherd, because a shepherd is someone who lives amongst the sheep, who leads them into pasture where they can be fed, who protects them, and who nurtures them so that they can grow. So just notice that, that concept of shepherding there. Another thing I want you to notice is he's talking about leadership here, because he said he led them with skillful hands. And so he's talking about leadership here specifically. And three things I want you to notice that I believe causes us to be leaders that people can trust. Okay? It says he shepherded them, 
And, and, and you'll see in the Bible that shepherding is about caring, taking care of the sheep. Okay? Then it said, and with integrity of heart. In other words, character. Caring, character. And with skillful hands, competence. And I wanted to submit to you that those three things, caring, character, and competence, are the three things that allow people to trust us enough to follow us. Those were the things that made David a good leader. Those were the things that caused uh, people to follow him. Okay? So how do we decide whether we can trust someone? We, look, we can trust someone to the extent that they care about us, to the extent that they have good character, and to the extent to which they are competent. So let's just look at those uh, three things um, briefly. The first one is caring. People who care about those they lead are willing to disadvantage themselves in order to advantage those that they lead. And David is a good example of this, even when he was looking after the sheep. Because, I mean, you only really see this when the chips are down, when there's danger, right? And when David uh, was a shepherd boy and he faced danger, he didn't run away from the danger, he ran to the danger in order to protect his sheep from the danger. And we see him doing the same thing when he shepherded Israel as a nation. He ran into danger, facing the gi- off the giant, so that the people can be protected. In other words, he was willing to disadvantage himself in order to advantage others. So when the lion and the bear came and attacked his sheep, instead of running away and saying, oh, this is too dangerous, he ran to the lion and the bear and he killed them. He fought them and he killed them. And, and that's... That's how you know you really care about people. And that's how you know uh, leaders care about those that they are leading. Are they willing to disadvantage themselves in order to advantage those that they lead? In other words, another question you can ask is, when I'm leading, do I want something for the people I lead or do I want something from the people I lead? And I think that's a very telling question. If people know that you want something for them rather than something from them, they will gladly follow you because they know you care about them. You love them. And, and I, I believe that's the first. I mean, obviously anyone would be a fool to trust someone that they know doesn't care about them. Okay? So we need to, we, we need to care about people so that people can, can trust us. Um, and... If you want to evaluate you know, whether you can follow a leader, whether you can trust a leader, just ask yourself, does, does this leader care about me? Do they want something for me or do they only want something from me? Um, then the next, the next one, so caring must be there. And, and obviously caring is you know, sort of on a spectrum. You, know, you can go from zero to 100%. Um, and... Whatever that percentage is, the extent to which someone cares about you determines the extent to which you can trust them. Okay. Then character is, it says, he, he, he shepherded them with the integrity of his heart. In other words, that's what go, goes on on the inside. Does what, on, what goes on on the inside in your heart, is that the same as what's going on on the outside? In other words, is my public life and my private life the same? And integrity is the opposite of corruption. And we're seeing a lot of leadership that 
is corrupt nowadays. And we're seeing the devastation that it brings. We're seeing the, 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 the disaster, you know, uh, with these, um, what do they call it, state capture, inquiry, and all that kind of stuff. You sort of get the feeling, you know, that, that many of our leaders are like reverse Robin Hoods. You know Robin Hood, the story of Robin Hood? Robin Hood stole from the rich to give to the poor. Well, you get the feeling like, like many of our political leaders are like reverse Robin Hoods. They steal from the poor to give to the rich. And, and how does that make us feel? Angry, right? Upset. You know, we're, 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 we're people will... Because the thing is, the question you've got to ask yourself to determine whether you have integrity is, if you can get away with something when no one's watching, will you do it? If you can get away with stealing money when no one watches it, will you do it? In other words, do you believe in the Ten Commandments of, you know, you shall not steal? Or do you believe in the Eleventh Commandment, thou shalt not get caught? (laughs) In other words, do you have integrity of heart? Do you act in the same way when people are watching as you act when no one's watching? Because that's integrity. And that's what we need in leadership. We need people who will do the right thing even when no one's watching. And that's what makes people trust you as a leader. When you do the right thing even when no one's watching. Even when no one's around to see. That integrity. Um, And the reality is that that integrity is not something that you can just sort of snap your finger and it comes. Or say, okay, I want to have integrity. It's something you practice. It's a lifestyle. I once heard a very sad story about a a man who, he was a bit drunk. He'd been to a party and he was driving back. And on his way home, it was sort of um, becoming dark and the visibility wasn't that great. A little girl actually walked across the road. And because he was drunk, he he didn't see her. We saw her too late and he actually hit her. And, I mean... She was underage, she was a minor, and, 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 and he just, he was so afraid and so shaken, he, he didn't even get out of the car, he just drove off. And the little girl died. And he was eventually caught. He, he, he was actually found and, 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 you know, proven guilty. And when he was in prison, I think he was sent to, to prison for life. But when he was in prison, he said, you know what? The decision to drive away when I hit that girl wasn't the decision I made on the spur of the moment. It was a decision that it took my whole life to make. It was the culmination of all the little lies that I told because I was too cowardly to tell the truth. It was a culmination of of all the little deceits, all the little things that I could get away with. And I practiced it over years so that I'd, I'd undermined my integrity and my character for years. So that when I got to that place where I hit that girl and I had to decide, am I going to get out and face the consequences and, and maybe save her life? Or was I going to run away and try and get away with it? I've been behind the scenes trying to get away with or getting away with so many things that it had become part of my character. So that when the moment of truth came, where my character was tested, what I had been building up over years just came out naturally. And that was a lack of integrity, a lack of character, 
and I did the wrong thing and I'm ashamed of that. And, and he actually said it as a warning and he said it to people, and he, uh, you know, said whoever reads this testimony that I'm giving, be warned that every decision you make every day either builds up your character or breaks it down. So caring and character um, are, are the, the first two important things. And then the, the third one is, is competence. In other words, we must, we must have the ability um, to, to, to lead. And that also, like character, takes practice. When, when David came onto the scene and he became king, he became the champion of, of Israel, what Israel needed was a strong military leader, a strong warrior. Because Israel was being oppressed by the Philistines. And David came onto the scene, and, and we, 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 can all, uh, we, we all probably know the story of David and Goliath. He came onto the scene bringing food to his older brother. He was still a teenager. He was still, you know, he would have been in high school if he lived today. He was still, still, still a youth. And he was looking after the sheep. So he brought his, his older brothers who were in, in Saul's, King Saul's army. He brought them some food, some cheese and some bread and all kinds of stuff. And then as he was there, he heard this big Philistine giant, Goliath. Now Goliath, uh, according, if you go and read the, um, the, the text of the Bible, he was apparently about nine foot six and a quarter. So, you know, if I put up my hand all the way, it, it was probably... One and a half times my size. And it wasn't like a thin, you know. Sometimes you get these guys who are tall, you know, but they're like really thin, you know, really skinny. He wasn't skinny at all. I mean, his spear weighed about 30 kilograms, apparently. So you've got to be strong to be able to throw that spear if it weighs 30 kilograms. So he, was, he wasn't only tall, he was broad. He was big. He was huge. And he had a shield bearer who went before him and carried his shield. And David is this little shepherd boy. A teenager. And all the warriors, the greatest warriors, King Saul himself, who was a head higher than everyone else in the Israelite army, were standing on the other hill, sort of shaking, um, while Goliath was taunting them and saying, you know, I'm going to feed you to the birds. You know, send your champion out to fight me. And David said, you know, who's going to fight this guy, you know? And everyone was too afraid. But David knew that God had trained him to be the leader that God had chosen him to be at that time. He'd fought the lion and the bear. And the, fighting the lion and the bear and slaying the lion and the bear, as he was looking after the sheep, was just practice for ultimately slaying the giant. And, and, and here I just want to encourage all of us. Don't run away from your lion and your bear. Don't run away from the challenges that you face. Don't run away from the difficulties that come up into your life. Don't run away from it. Because that is practice for you to become competent to do what God has called you to do. To build the character, and was, you know, the internal character, but also to develop the external competence. So difficulties come into your life for a reason. They practice. So you can train to be the leader, to have, to have the skill that, that, that God has called you to have. So when the time came, he could go down with a stick and a sling and five smooth stones that he got from, from, from the brook. And he could go up to Goliath 
And here Goliath taunt and, uh, and say, you know, who is this little flea? You know, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air. And then say to him, because he, he didn't only have the competence of being able to, I mean, he probably sat, sat there, you know, I think the two things he probably did while he was watching the sheep was play the harp and write songs. Because we have a lot of those songs in the Psalms. And the other thing was, you know, practice with his slingshot. So put in stones and, and throw. And I, I, I'm sure he could, like, throw very accurately. You know, and, he, and he used that slingshot often, you know, to protect, the, to, to protect the sheep. And he practiced for days and years until he was, like, really good at it. But he didn't only have the external skill of being able to swing that that slingshot and, and throw the stone accurately, he had the internal skill of putting his trust in God because he said to Goliath, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. You come to me with your strength, but I come to you with God's strength. And I've, I've developed the ability to trust in God. And if you... If someone cares about you, you can trust their person. If someone has character, good character, you can trust their promise. And if someone has competence, you can trust their power. And to the extent that someone has all three, you can trust them and follow them. And, and David was a pretty good leader, but he was far from a perfect leader. I mean, we all know the story about Bathsheba. You know, when he was older, he was up on the, the roof of, um, of the castle. And instead of going to battle with his forces, he stayed at home. And as he sort of looked down, I mean, the only place that you had sort of privacy in those days was on the rooftops. So the ladies used to bathe on the rooftops. And they didn't have, like, big houses, you know, like we, we had today. So Bathsheba was bathing on the rooftop. And, of course, David had, like, the angle on her, you know, the ancient equivalent of Internet pornography. And he was like looking down and thinking, hmm, you know, that's a fine lady. And in the end, he committed adultery with her. And, and when she got pregnant, in order to cover it up, he had a husband who was one of his most loyal followers, Uriah the Hittite. He had him assassinated, basically. Is that caring? Is that character? No. And, and we see that, that even a good leader like David was far from a perfect leader. And, and we have this longing inside of us for, the, for a good leader, for a perfect leader, for someone we can really follow. Someone that really cares about us. Someone who really has good character. Someone who's really competent. And we look around this world and we see leaders that come close, but all of them, even the best of them, fall short and are ultimately a disappointment. And that's because every other leader, imperfect leader, is only supposed to imperfectly point towards the perfect leader, who is Jesus. And in, in John chapter 10, let me just uh, see if I can find that. Um, it says that Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus actually says, I am the good shepherd, which, which tells us that, that there are bad shepherds. That there are shepherds that are not good. So John chapter 10 from verse 10 says the following. I am the good shepherd from verse 11, sorry. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So, he sees the wolf, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing 
for the sheep. See? He doesn't care. Caring is not there. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not from the sheep pen. I bring them in. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice. Um, they too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up. This command I received from the father. And, and we see here that Jesus, the ultimate son of David, the, the true and ultimate David, He's the perfect leader. He cares so much for his sheep that he's willing to lay down his life for them. Now, Jesus says, when, he, when they take him to the cross, he says, I can ask the Father for 12 legions of angels, and they can come right now and wipe all of you out. And once I have the power, I have so much power, I don't even have to destroy you myself. I can get my servants to destroy you. That's how much power I have. But instead of using that power to inflict violence on you, I'm going to care about you enough to receive violence upon myself so that you don't have to suffer violence. I'm going to experience the violence of the cross so that you don't have to. You see, each of us, if we're honest with ourselves, if God is a holy God, He should judge us. And the cross is what we deserve because we're constantly serving, sinning against the holy God. We constantly, I mean, if we just look at the Ten Commandments, it says you shall not lie. I mean, how often do we lie? Is there anyone here who has never lied? If you put up your hand, you're lying. <laughs> it says you shall not steal, you know. And, and not just, a, you know, not steal a car or something, but, but even if we just cheat our taxes, we're stealing. You know, if we make personal calls on, 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 on our a company phone, we're stealing. There's no one here who has not stolen. It says you honor your father and your mother. Who, who of us have perfectly honor, honored our fathers and mothers? All the time. None of us. Um, so, so the reality is that's what we deserved. And Jesus said, I care enough about you that I will take the consequences of that upon myself so that you don't have to. So he, 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 he had the competence, he had the power to save himself, but he used that. Instead of to save himself, he used it to sacrifice himself. For us, He had the character because his father had commanded him to do this very difficult thing. And, and in the Garden of Gethsemane, his sweat became like blood. And he said, my God, if it's at all possible, let this bitter cup pass me by. Yet not my will, but your will be done. And he had a character to keep his commitment to the father and say, Father, you commanded this. I'm going to do it. Even though it costs me everything. I'm going to keep my promise to you and to your people to save them. And not only that... He cared enough, he had enough character, and he had the competence. And he used all of that in the ultimate act of leadership, sacrificing himself. But not only sacrificing himself, but afterwards he had the power to, raise, to rise from the dead, to take up his life again, to go back to all his disciples who ran away from him, who were cowardly, and to restore them, to keep his word to them that I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to restore you. And Jesus is the ultimate leader. Jesus is the leader we've all been longing for. Jesus is the king. 
with whom we will not feel that sense of frustration, that, ah, not good enough, ah, fallen short again. He's the king we've always been longing and waiting for, and he will lead us well. So he's the only leader that we can trust perfectly. And how can we be good leaders that care about others, that have good character, and that are competent? Well, the best way is to follow the ultimate leader who cares the most, who has the best character, who, has, who is almighty, who has the ultimate competence. And as we follow him, we'll be able to lead others and say, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, I'm an imperfect leader, but I'm pointing you, through my leadership, I'm pointing you to the perfect leader. Ultimately, follow him. And he will lead you to where I cannot. He will lead you all the way into eternity and all the way into heaven. And he'll do that for the world. And that's the kinds of leaders we must be. We'll never be the side of eternity perfect leaders. But we can be leaders who imperfectly point towards the perfect leader. Do you want to be such a leader? I just want you to realize that that leader, and I want to close with this, that leader really loves you so much that he was willing to die for you. He loves you so much that he was willing to die for you. You can trust him. You can trust him unreservedly. He's the only one you can trust unreservedly. And if you follow, if you follow him, he will not lead you where you want to go, but he'll lead you to where you need to go. And he'll lead you to become the person you can be, the best version of yourself. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment and just focus on the Lord. Let's not focus on one another. Let's just really focus on the Lord. Some of you are this morning realizing for the first time, maybe, maybe you came in here, you didn't even realize you were longing for a leader like that. For someone like that who would lay down their life for you. Someone that, that you can look up to and trust and respect. And, and, and some of you walked in here thinking, okay, I've heard about Jesus, but I, I, I never understood why. Why he did what he did. Why he came to live among us. And why he came to die for us. And maybe you're understanding that this morning for the first time. If, you, if that is you this morning, I want, I want you to respond. And I want you, I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or anything like that. But I want you to, in your heart, I want you to respond. And I want you to... Firstly, just thank Jesus for what he did for you. I want you to say, Jesus, I put my trust in you because I can see you're trustworthy. You care about me more than anyone else. You have perfect character, perfect integrity. You never lie. You always keep your word. You're always faithful. And you are competent more than anyone else. You are almighty. There's nothing you cannot do. And I realize this morning I can really trust you. And I put my trust in you. Just in your own words, just say that to him. Lord Jesus, I put my trust in you. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are trustworthy. I believe that you died not only for humanity, but that you died for me in my place. And I ask you to save me. And to become my king. My leader. I want to follow you, Jesus. Just in your own words.
Yes, Lord, we, as human beings and especially as South Africans, Lord, we've been disappointed with leadership so many times. Lord, that it's, it's easy to want to become skeptical or cynical about leadership. But Lord, we, we realize that we, we cannot expect perfect leadership from any human being except you, the Son of God who became the Son of Man, God who became flesh. And we look to you, Lord Jesus, for perfect leadership. We put our trust in you. Jesus, thank you that you are indeed the good shepherd, the perfect shepherd. Thank you that we can perfectly trust you. Thank you that you already know everything that's going on in our hearts, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and that you still loved us enough to die for us, and that you, who gave up your own life for us to save us, that you will safely lead us through this battlefield of life and into eternity as we follow you. And I just want to pray, Lord, your blessing over every person here this morning who in their hearts responded to the good news that there is a leader who is selfless and self-sacrificing, who is perfectly trustworthy. I just pray in Jesus' name that you'll bless them, that you'll draw them closer to yourself. Thank you that you heard their prayers. Thank you that you touched their hearts. And thank you that you will continue to lead them and draw them to yourself. Lord, I want to pray for every person here this morning who has brokenness in their life, whether it's physical brokenness and they need healing, whether it's psychological brokenness and they need restoration, whether it's spiritual brokenness and they need salvation. I pray, Lord, that you will come. Thank you that you care enough for us to want to heal us and restore us and save us. Thank you, Lord, that you are committed enough to your word, that you have enough character and integrity to keep your word, to do that for us, your promises to do that for us. And thank you that you have enough competence and power and strength to be able to do that for us. And therefore, we just receive healing and restoration from you. In Jesus' name. And I just pray, Lord, that... For all of those of us who have become so skeptical and so cynical that we will look away from the people who have let us down and that we'll look to you, the only one who will never let us down. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.